Bellissimo Files, home to the world's biggest stars. Get your hands up! Live on your radio. And you can check us out on your socials. <laughs> your favorite person, Serena. Serena! <laughs> The Bellissimo Files on Spin. And now your host, yeah. Serena Bellissimo. Good morning. How's it going? Hope you're having a great weekend. I can't believe this is the final weekend of the summer. How quickly did that fly by? Well, whatever you're doing this weekend, I hope you have a great time. We've got a great Bellissimo Files coming up today. On today's show, I'm going to be catching up with Downton Abbey star Hugh Bonneville. He talks about whether or not he thinks there'll be more Downton Abbey and... He also talks about taking a trip down the wild side, the dark side, for his new film, I Came By. I also catch up with his co-star, Kelly McDonald, and she reacts to the juggernaut that is Line of Duty and our very own Derry Leaper. Brooke is going to be on the show. She's talking new music and she'll be sharing her favourite things. But up next, I'll be introducing you to our One to Watch poll. This week's one to watch is a songwriter with a passion for harmonies, hooks and melodies. He has just released his second ever single, I'm OK. It's Paul. Paul, congratulations on the new single and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. This is your second ever single. Are the nerves a little different now after you released the first one or is it still the same? Oh, no, it's totally different. Um, It took about a year between the last one and this one because I went away to figure out how to produce stuff myself. So when I put out the song last year, I had help with the production elements and stuff of it. But after it came out, I kind of wanted a bit more control. So I went away to learn how to fully produce it myself and do it on my own. So that was probably more daunting and less daunting in some ways. Because when you're putting it out and you can't blame somebody else for anything, then you have only yourself to blame. <laughs> so when this one came out, I was probably a bit more relaxed. But at the same time, I let it go a little bit and thought, well, look, it's all me. So people like it, they like it. And if they don't, they don't. There's plenty more to come. So... So what's what's I'm okay all about? Well, that's a tough question. I always find these difficult because it's like how far do you go emotionally to actually explain to people what headspace you were in. Um, It is about being in a relationship and I suppose not entirely sure whether you should not be in the relationship for yourself or for the other person and really asking yourself, you know, is it about giving the other person a bit of space as well, not just yourself? So it was a pretty not great time. But you know what? Out of not great times come good music sometimes. So. I was going to say, and I'm loving this track, and I love that. This is what I love with dance music as well. It, you mm. know, people think it's superficial because we're all in mm. a dancing way, but you get it yeah, yeah. everything. You know, you have that, oh, I'm highly entertained, but oh, yeah. I want to sit back and listen to the words as well. And there's some meaning behind it too. Yeah, definitely. And I think for me, like a lot of my stuff starts on the piano anyway. So that song was actually a really slow ballad, which I thought. Oh, really? Yeah, as an acoustic version. I think actually a lot of the dance tracks are, if you really were to strip them back and got someone to slow them down and stuck them in front of a piano, I think they would make really good ballads. And I think a lot of the times that's why they end up working quite well as dance tracks as well, because they're quite powerful and they're quite punchy. So it's like it's like our 80s power ballads maybe we're coming back again. Um, Paul, there's your yeah. your next project. You're gonna take all this dance music, slow it down and release <laughs> release the mix of that. Released, yeah, a new song coming out called Brave, hopefully maybe at the end of September, start of October. But I do plan to have a, a little project where I'm gonna record all the dance tracks and do them acoustically, just myself, the piano, and maybe some harmonies in the background and just strip it back. Either live or just a very stripped back recording. Um now tell me about the name Paul. It's spelled spelled P-O-L. Yeah, so one of the biggest things I find in music is trying to find something that's a and you know when I was going to start I was like what am I going to do so I thought I wanted to keep it simple like my name is Paul so Paul is Paul in Irish but also my name in Irish the initials are P-O-L so I thought you know what 
let's just go with that and keep it simple instead of trying to go too mental. So how have you found trying to break into this industry? Because it's not easy. How do you get your music heard? I think the biggest thing for me is like I used to play in, in bars and so friends all when I was in my early 20s. I took a big break to actually run and start a business with my partner. So this is my kind of reset back into kind of doing this again and following what I really want to do. It is so different, <laughs> the internet and everything. It's so, it's so much more intense. There's so much competition around you. So for me, I'm actually just decided not to focus on any of that. And I'm just going to focus on continuously just putting music out there in the way that I want. The great thing is 15 years ago, there was no way there was any Spotify or Apple Music where you could even self-produce, where you could put yourself out there on yourself and not rely on being signed to somebody. So in some ways, there's an awful lot more control, but obviously it comes with an awful lot more competition. But I don't mind that because in some ways, like, there's a lot of inspiration out there as well. People like I go on Instagram sometimes. I like the stuff that people are doing is just... Brilliant. Like stuff you would never in the past put the money into because nobody would sign it. But yeah. you can be independent and you can do something that's funny or quirky. And yet some of those people are amazing musicians, you know, and what they're doing is so entertaining. So And I do love what you just said there as well. Like, you know, at the start your focus was what's everyone else doing? Yeah. And now it's like, what am I doing? Yeah, and I think like originality is I suppose being original and that's doing whatever is original to you, not going out there and trying to copy what other people are doing. I'm a big lover of as I said, like I love harmonies, I love folks, I love melodies. It's my biggest thing I could sit here and I'd write 15 courses in a day and I'd ignore a verse so you know for the reality of that to put it out there and just stick it down that's that's what it's about for me just creating what I kind of want to do and if people like it they like it and if they don't I suppose I can't do anything about that exactly now listen what's the plan for the rest of the year so just finishing song at the moment Brave so once the vocals are done in that I'll probably put it out say kind of end of September start of October time gonna work on a couple of acoustic things but like there's a vault there of God, close to nearly 40 songs. So my plan is probably maybe not just the rest of the year. It is no end date and keep going. Just keep recording, keep putting it out there. Could be one a week, some weeks, some weeks. Who knows? I like the sound of that. If people want to find out more about you, um, see what you're up to, give us your socials. Yeah, so if you want to get me on Instagram, it's just PolHQ. It's pretty much everything. So my website is PolHQ.com. Instagram is PolHQ. Facebook is PolHQ. Uh, Spotify, you just search for Pol, all caps, P-O-L. Same on, same on Apple Music as well. Well, Pol, good luck with all of that. Um, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, introduce your new track for us. I'm Paul. This is my new track, I'm Okay, on the Bellissimo Files. This is the Bellissimo Files. Exclusive to Spin. We're used to seeing Hugh Bonneville play the nice guy in the likes of Downton Abbey and in all of the Paddington films, but he's taking a walk on the dark side in his new Netflix thriller, I Came By. I don't want to say too much about this film because... There's just, if I do, I'm afraid I'm going to give spoilers. So all I'm going to say about it is that it follows a young graffiti artist who discovers a shocking secret that puts him and his loved ones in danger. Before I say anything else to spoil it, I'm just going to hand over to Hugh Bonneville. Hugh, wow, (laughs) what a film. This is totally not what I expected. When you were first given the script, what did you think? Uh, I thought, uh, well, I suppose a bit like you, it wasn't what I was expecting. You know, you, you start off on a journey um, that, that suddenly diverts into a completely different direction. And uh, that's a great hallmark, I think, of, of Babak's, uh, Babak's previous work. I'm thinking of Under the Shadow, where you think you're comfortable, you're sitting back watching a, a particular type of film, particular sort of drama, and then it just 
changes direction and uh, I think that's rather exciting and uh, engaging so that's what attracted me. I love the reaction the trailers had. It came out last week and um, I've been looking at the, uh, the headlines and there's stuff like Hugh surprises fans, Hugh shows his dark side, Hugh shocks fans with major transformation. <laughs> when you hear those headlines what do you think? I think, uh, well, you know, if, if people are, if, if it's going to engage people to watch the movie, which uh, I'm very proud of, it's a, I think it's a fine piece of work that Babak's put together, um, then great. But um, I'm not entirely surprised. I'm not entirely surprised by um, by the character. I, I think there are there are you know people out there who are not dissimilar to, to this character, um, but maybe I haven't been uh, playing them so much in, in, a, in a prominent way. I've played a few characters like this before, but um, not perhaps not quite as up front and centre. I love that in this film we're entertained, we're, like, taken on a thriller, but there's also a lot of messages going through this film, and one of them is that you don't necessarily know everyone you come across. Everyone has a story. You started out in this industry, you got your first big break, I heard, playing the third shepherd in the nativity play. Um, What surprises has this industry thrown at you since then? Well, my goodness me, uh... Every day is a surprise, really. I mean, you know, I, I, I started out once I left school and university, you know, lo- loving theatre. Theatre has always been my life and I never, ever thought I'd end up being um, or playing this sort of role in a movie. You <laughs> know, um, I, I just didn't anticipate ever being in front of a camera. So there's really? a constant, yeah, yeah, there's constant surprises. Or indeed, you know, working with an invisible bear or things like that. I just, you know, that's never, wasn't on my to-do list when I was uh, 20. Um, so here we are, thirty-something years later, and uh, I'm constantly surprised, and luckily, most most of the time, delighted. Yeah, are you surprised at the reaction people have had with Downton Abbey still wanting more and more films? I mean, we saw the the most recent one being released this year. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely thrilled. I mean, the fact that we've been plodding away at it for twelve years or more now, <laughs> uh, and still people seem to have welcomed it, it was just delightful and and great and. Uh, uh, I, I, I don't know whether it's the end of the journey or not. I, I sometimes think it's probably run its course, but then maybe if there's an appetite and you know someone gives us an enormous check, then maybe <laughs> some more. Let's see. But uh, that's a while off on the horizon if it's going to happen again. But uh, I think maybe uh, maybe it's run. Maybe it's had its best time. Uh, there's still more stories to tell. But talking about stories to tell. You know, you, you spoke about being surprised that you have gone from theatre to screen. Did you ever think you'd be writing a book? <laughs> no, absolutely not, and I nearly didn't. I was sort of badgered into it by a, a delightful, I keep saying delightful, he's not delightful, he's a really good bloke, <laughs> an agent, who kept, kept nagging away at me every few months saying, have you written any more pages yet? And um, eventually I uh, sat down and got on with it last autumn and uh, it was uh, it was surprising for me, actually, because I'm, I'm not a, a, a writer of, of any regularity, put it that way, and uh, I really in- enjoyed the experience. Editing it and getting it out there, I think, is a whole different ballgame, but <laughs> writing um, was very cathartic. I, I've, I started writing about stuff I wasn't expecting to um, and, uh, re- you know, n- nudging memories that I'd forgotten about, about working in the industry. So it's just a, a series of snapshots of... of uh, as I say, but you know, trying not to bump into the furniture for 35 years. <laughs> I know readers are in for surprises, so I'm not going to give them away. But you're taking this on tour, so we're going to be able to hear some of the surprises ourselves. How do you feel about going on a book tour? Uh, I, I'm I'm so used to 
publicising material that's been a collaborative experience. Yeah. Um, you know, movies and, and, and TV shows that, that that you can always pass the buck to somebody else. Unfortunately, <laughs> with a book tour that's uh, about a memoir and not even a piece of fiction, so you're having to play... <laughs> Most of it, at least, is based in some sort of reality. That's a bit more scary. So I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm being interviewed along the way. It's, it's not just me standing up and laughing <laughs> on. Um, it'll be hopefully conversational. Uh, this little book tour that I'm doing, which is being, uh, I think, streamed. The first one's being streamed, so people Brilliant. from overseas can, can can take a look. But um, I'm looking forward to it because I, I think I don't know how authors do it. Proper grown-up, real authors do it. <laughs> Uh, you know, self pub self pub publicity is a, is a delicate balance, and um, uh, so I'm going to have to get used to. it. I'm going to have to toughen up and say yes, buy the book rather than oh gosh, you know you don't want to read that, <laughs> uh, and all that sort of self deprecation, which is deeply irritating. That um, you know a lot of Brits do. Um, so I'm going to have to butch up and say, look, it's a it's a read. It's a what's the word? It's a sort of rose tinted spectacle, I, I guess. Look back at what's what I've what I've done over the years. And some of the bumps and, and, and you know, and uh, fun things along the way. Well, I, for one, will be reading it. Cannot wait. And I'll be pushing. Oh, here, I'll say it for you. Buy the book and also see the film because I Came By is brilliant. Hugh, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you very much indeed. Cheers. You can catch Hugh Bonneville in I Came By. It premieres on Netflix on Wednesday, the 31st of August. Let's go! Demolissable Files. What to watch. What to watch. Joining me now with some recommendations for things that you can watch this weekend is our very own Deidre Malumbi. Dee, great to have you back on the show. Thanks for having me. I always get excited when we're talking about an Idris Elba film, and I have to admit, I don't know much about your other film. So let's start with Idris Elba first and Beast. Yeah, so we're kind of coming to the end of like summer blockbuster season now. So I feel like these are kind of the dregs that are coming out, you know. <laughs> we're kind of finished with like the big, you know, Marvel releases and horror and all those big franchises um, for the summer. In this one, we have Idris Elba and he's in a survival thriller. He plays uh, the father of uh, two children um, recently widowed and they are on safari in South Africa, staying with an old friend of um, Idris Elba's character. Their dream trip way, how However, turns into a nightmare when they see a local village has been slaughtered by a lion. And guess what? The lion is after them next. Of course it is. Let's take a clip. Hey, man. You up here? Huh? Mud! A clip there from Beast. As I said when we started this off, uh, D. I really like Idris Elba. I don't know if I'm going to like this film, though. Am I going to be freaked out by it? No, I don't think it's so much horror, um, unless you're scared by CGI lions, because the thing is, all <laughs> the lions... <laughs> All the lions in this are CGI. Now, the CGI is very, very good, I have to say, because usually CGI animals kind of take me out of that headspace a bit if they don't look well. But actually, the rendering is absolutely perfect. And I think, you know, as we, you know, try to be, um, you know, more kind of environmentally friendly and aware and stuff, um, that's the reason why they didn't use real lions. So everything you see in this film are, is CGI. And I mean, sometimes like it is, it's so, so lifelike. Um, I quite enjoyed this film as just like kind of a fun one sort 
love action thriller type movie. I think it's very good. And I mean, Idris Elba, I mean, is there anything the guy can't do? He's done the big action blockbusters and the franchises, and then he's done the hard-hitting dramas as well. And this is kind of a balance of both because, you know, you've got the fact that he has to be, you know, the hero saving the day, but he's also the father to these two girls and they've kind of become estranged over the years. So he has to like build up and reestablish that relationship. Um, Those two young actresses, um, Iana Halley and Leah Savage Jeffries, um, they're very good in this as well. And then you've got, um, what's what's his name again? Charlotte Copley uh, playing the friend. And it's really just the four of them in this entire movie. And it's very good. I quite enjoyed it. It's it's kind of a good one-off movie. I don't know if it's going to go down as one of the great summer movies or anything like that, but I found it a bit of fun. And if you're into that genre, and certainly if you uh, like Idris Elba as an actor, I think you're going to enjoy this. What are you going to give it out of five? I'll give it three and a half out of five stars. Okay, not bad. Let's move on to your next one, Mr. Malcolm's List. I've been on holidays, so I'm going to blame this as the reason why I have no idea about this film. Yeah, so this is kind of a period drama movie. You know, we've had a few of those recently, like Persuasion, recently on Netflix. Uh, this film is set in 1800s England, and there's a young woman who's helping her friend to get revenge against a suitor um, who previously rejected her. This man is named Mr. Malcolm, and as the movie title suggests, he does have this list of all these requirements that he needs for a bride. Um, so this young woman is kind of like seducing him and trying to trick him, but ultimately she starts get what? catching feelings. Oh, of course she does. Let's take a clip. I need your assistance. There is a gentleman, Mr. Malcolm. He humiliated me. No. I then found out he had a list. You have a list of qualifications for a bride. I would love for Mr. Malcolm to receive the comeuppance he deserves. Plus, it could be rather fun. A clip there from Mr. Malcolm's list. Who's in this, day? So you've got Frida Pinto in this, oh, wow. um, Oliver Jackson Cohen, who people might recognise from the um, A Haunting of Hill House and those kind of series. Um, Ashley Park is in this, who people might recognise from um, Emily in Paris. So there are a few names in this, uh, Theo James in there as well. Um, and, and to be honest, I can't really fault any of the actors or their performances in it. And I mean... As far as period dramas go, it looks great. Shot in Ireland as well, so always great to support local. Um, I found it a little bit derivative. It's very Bridgerton season two. Like I literally felt like oh. I was re-watching uh, that series. All of the Pride and Prejudice elements were there. It was quite predictable how it was all going to play out, to be honest with you. So I felt a little disappointed with it in that regard. Um, I need to look up a bit more about like who wrote it and stuff. And I'm wondering if they did just like kind of, you know, rob from uh, the original novel that was based on that or exactly um, where the story comes from. But yeah, I was a little bit disappointed by that. But I think that if you're a general fan of this genre, you're going to enjoy it. I suppose I just have such a high standard that was set up for me back in the 2000s when I saw the likes of, you know, Pride and Prejudice and Vanity Fair and all of those movies, Sense and Sensibility in the 90s, which, you know, I'm still absolutely enamoured with. Um, I just find this a little bit repetitive. But if you enjoy that genre of movie, I think you'll you'll like it nonetheless. Okay, I'm not going to ask for a star rating because I think you justified everything there. Deja Malumbi, as always, thanks a million. Thanks. The Bellissimo Files. Favourite things. Was a finalist in The Voice UK 2020. She then went on to represent Ireland at this year's Eurovision, and I will continue to say it, we all will. We all know she was robbed. But 
She's moved past that and just this week she released her latest single, the anthemic pop ballad Heartbreaker. I'm thrilled to say she joins me now to talk new music and, of course, share her favourite things. Brooke, I love having you on the show. Welcome back. That's such a kind compliment. I love being here. Just good vibes from you, Serena, always. Well, the last time I spoke to you, it was just after Eurovision. We were about to start our summer. It's now the end of the summer. How have things been for you? What's the summer been like? Thank God. I've been so busy, like so, so busy. I've done so much stuff this year and my feet have barely touched the ground. I've been so lucky that I really developed a good fan base over the Eurovision and people have stayed with me. I've been releasing music, doing shows. I have, I'm now booked until May next year. It's unbelievable. I know, and and it's so weird to say that because I've never had a stable job slash income in my life. Do you know what? I'm thrilled because you have put in all the hard work. I was saying to you off air, Brooke, I got the email saying there was a new song and I got excited. And then my heart sank a bit because I was like, Brooke's going to just try something a little bit different. I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I really want her to. And then I listened to Heartbreaker and I went, I'm so glad you didn't listen to my fears and actually went and made the song. It's so good. Tell me about it. Oh, thank you. Right. Well, basically, with this EP, I'm not a signed artist. I'm not. I have no one holding anything over my head saying you should sound like this, you should sound like that. Basically, what happened was I actually did fall in love and the whole EP is spread out across the different stages of the this experience. So that's right, she's kind of an immature aspect or like, like perspective being like, boys are disgusting, bird power, blah, blah, blah. Then tongues is where it's like this euphoric feeling that you can't control. Heartbreaker is nearly, it could actually be like a predecessor because I was actually in a relationship where, I don't know, I just, I found it more of a friendship kind of experience and it wasn't real love and I didn't know how to hurt, not hurt the other person because they were obviously in love with me, but I, I don't know, I probably shouldn't have gotten into the relationship in the first place, but look, like, what do you call that whenever looking back? Yeah. Hindsight, Hindsight, there you go, hindsight. Yeah. <laughs> if, I, if we all had that, nobody would make any mistakes. But look, it's just a really, like I've tried to use instruments. It's all live instruments that we recorded in London. And I tried to contrast the kind of deep meaning of the song with an energetic pop ballad that comes through like kind of Taylor Swift kind of vibes. I don't know. It was it was a really it was a really fun journey, and I've used this as kind of like a three sixty of a person coming to terms with the first time they've experienced love and heartbreak. Well, look, I absolutely love it. As I said, we've been speaking to you for a while now. We feel like we know you, Brooke, but we don't really. So, can we get to know you through your favorite things? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> what TV show were you obsessing over right now? Uh, not anymore, but for all time, Grey's Anatomy. Really? Yeah, I feel Are like I still watching. A Are surgery. You still- <laughs> Are you still watching? Um, I finished it. I'm up to date as far as the UK is concerned. In America, okay. there's another season that hasn't been released here. But hold the fort. There's actually an, an ambulance version, like a first responders spin-off series with the same characters kind of fluctuating between. So that. I'm not ready to give my heart and soul to that. I'm too busy. So I need time before I indulge. (laughs) I love that. Um, Favourite film? Right, I have two answers to this. Go on. (laughs) Forrest Gump is one of the most beautifully made films I've ever seen. But Avatar was the first film that I was able... Like, it was my first cinema experience as someone who was able to experience it and understand. I think I was 11 or 10 the time it came out. But I just remember it was the first film 
like me going to the cinema and being like, oh my God, like I go to the cinema by myself. I find it like a crazy euphoric experience. So I would say Avatar is my favorite film. I've seen it like 64 times since then. Oh, you and I can't go to the cinema together. I'll watch Forrest Gump with you. Just Avatar. I'm not, are you excited by the fact that there's more stuff? December, uh, yeah, and it's underwater. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay, I'll try and take some of that excitement with me when we go watch. (laughs) Together? (laughs) Maybe not, because you'll be so disappointed in me. (laughs) As long as you don't speak to me, I don't like when people are like, what do you think about this and blah, blah, blah. Sometimes I'll go turn around and show you a face of of awe, but we don't speak in the cinema. (laughs) No, you'll just be hearing a lot of... Oh, no, you're not. We're not going. No, no, no. no. (laughs) Do you have a favourite book? Absolutely. The Nightingale by Kristen Hanna. Oh, she's a heavy one. I read a lot. Like, I I pre-ordered Florence Gibbons' book there, Girl Crush, and got it signed and everything. It's my first first edition and signed copy by the author. But, I mean, Kristen Hanna, the detail she puts into the scene, the scenery, you can actually picture everything. And it's a really, oh, really awful story um, set in France, I think. It's whenever the war was on. I love war, like kind okay. of fiction, like nonfiction and stuff. I think that that's, I think that's my genre. I don't know, of, of choice, maybe not. I mean, I don't like it, but I, I, I like stories set within those, those time periods. What's one song that everyone should have on their pumped up playlist? Lizzo Truth Hurts. Why man great till they gotta be great? Whoop, that one. Anything by Lizzo, really. Do you have a favorite album? Moto Mummy by Rosalia. That's hard. I love Machine Gun Kelly as well. My my taste is extremely big. I was gonna say, like from mm-hmm. films to like, yeah. But this no, is- I love everything. Everything. I would go to the opening of an envelope. I don't care. I love everything. I love it. Do you have a favorite app? Snapchat. I'm a sucker. I do you know why? Because I don't have enough storage in my phone. So if I save things into my memories, there's a lot of stuff in my memories. If I get hacked, I am beep. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your favorite account to follow on social media? Mon- Monoskin. They do the craziest stuff I've ever seen in the, my life. The Italian Eurovision yeah, winners. Yeah, Eurovision winners of last year. Yeah. They are, the girl. The bass guitarist is potentially the craziest girl I've ever seen on Instagram. It's unreal. It's, I, I love watching that. And what's your favorite thing to do on a weekend? Play with my cat and watch scary, I love scary films. I really, really do. I don't know why. I don't know. I like shocking my body, like going into really, really cold water or like, I don't know. I think that it, you're keeping yourself alert because I don't do Sudoku or I don't do work crosswords or nothing. So I'm afraid of, you know, my mind slipping or something. I don't know. Just trying to, I, I'm so strange. I'm sorry, but I am. You're not. <laughs> and you know what? This is why I love doing favorite things because I would never have guessed any of these answers. No. And we've gotten, to, we've gotten to know you a little bit better. And I, I love that. <laughs> Nobody knows me. <laughs> Elizabeth, you have just released uh, new music. What is on the horizon for you? You said you're booked until May. Where can mm. Irish audiences see you? Got right. Well, it's all happening at the minute, especially with the release. I'm doing a actually performing with the orchestra for BBC for television and radio. I performed with the orchestra today just for a rehearsal, and that's a bucket list moment for me. Like the whole room, there was a 50 piece orchestra. My body was vibrating. I've never been as terrified, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to see that. But in the meantime, we have Heartbreaker. It is out right now for us all to enjoy. Brooke, it is always so good to have you on the show. Thank you. I'm not going to let you go, though, without introducing your new song. Will you do it for us? I can do this. Hi, everyone. This is Brooke, and you're listening to my new single, Heartbreaker, on the Bellissimo Files. Every dream is real with you.
This is the Bellissimo Files. Exclusive to Spin. A little earlier on on the Bellissimo Files, we caught, caught up with Hugh Bonneville. He was talking about his new Netflix thriller, I Came By. As I said then, I'm going to say it again now, I can't tell you too much about this because... It'll just be spoiler. I think the great thing about watching this for me was it was totally not what I expected and I didn't know anything going in. So the little bit I will tell you is that it's based on a young graffiti artist who he discovers a shocking secret and this secret puts himself and his loved ones in danger. One of his loved ones is his dear mum, played by Kelly MacDonald. That name may sound familiar or the face may sound familiar to you because Kelly McDonald was amazing in the last season of Line of Duty. She played DCI Joe Davidson. Um, she was just brilliant. I caught up with her to talk, of course, Line of Duty, but also all things I came by. Kelly, great to chat to you. Thanks for taking some time out. That's all right. I'm quite happy. I went into this so blind. I went, I love the cast. I love the name. I'm going to go watch this. And given the cast, I think I know what it's about. No, had no idea. I was blindsided. Absolutely loved it, though. When you first were presented with this, what were your initial thoughts? Well, I was quite excited to do a thriller because I've not really done a thriller um, before. And um, and after I watched Under the Shadow, Babak's first film, I got really excited. That thing that he manages to do so well, which is you don't see what you're scared of. No! <laughs> but you're absolutely terrified. On paper, that all sounds great, yeah? But then, Kelly, the reality of shooting it actually comes to fruition. And what's it like being a part of something like that? It was really fun. I mean, I kind of... It's quite a small cast, and I got sort of a bit to do with everybody. And then there was this whole section of filming where it was just me on my own kind of stalking Hugh's character and sitting in cars. And um, uh, it's hard to talk about without giving things away. But um, there were certain scenes that were, you know, I would would find quite traumatising to watch in a film. So being that person was... um, was something else. You've done so much, um, but something that really, I suppose, threw you into the public eye again was Line of Duty, going in as the big guest star. As I said, you've been in massive films, Train Spotting, Harry Potter, but then there's Line of Duty. Kelly, how did you handle all of that? I don't think very well. I think I'm still, it's a bit like sort of COVID. I'm still sort of still not um, worked out, you know, I've still not dealt with all that. But yeah, I, um, Line of Duty was a monster of a, of a job. And it was, it was already like a big worrying sort of prospect for me. And then the world started to fall apart slightly during it. So it's all, it's like, it was quite a strange time and I haven't quite, um, I haven't quite got my head around it yet. Yeah, because I suppose it was stranger than usual because going in, you knew that Line of Duty was huge. Yeah, I I did and I didn't. I did and then the job in hand sort of took over. So I had a lot lot to do on it and it it was like a lot of work. And so I kind of had just that in my head. So it was like all these... (laughs) So there was that aspect. There was a filming of it. There was a worldwide pandemic and then a big gap in from when we started filming to when we got to continue. Um, 
And then there was it coming out. And then we, by then we were in the second lockdown and it, it was all just too much for my little brain to handle. Really. <laughs> well, I, I could just, I can only just imagine, but I loved you in that and I love you in I Came By. Thank you for all your work, Kelly. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. That's very sweet. Thank you very much. You can catch Kelly in I Came By. It is streaming on Netflix as of Wednesday. Break, 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 break it down. The Melissimo Files. What did I miss? In studio is producer Aoife, and I feel like this sex, uh, segment is especially for me because Aoife, I've been gone for two weeks and I've just not noticed anything except Harry Styles playing Slane. We had to build in a whole extra hour before the show today <laughs> to make sure I got you up to speed on everything that was going on, but I've kept some special bits for I was gonna this say, segment. There's yes. still some stuff there that, is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> tell me you were so excited about Hell Week. Yes, so last year I was raving about this show. I absolutely love it. It's the RTE um, Hell Week, which is where they get people to take part in special forces training. Now, there's a celebrity version, which is what has been doing really well, and that's what I watched last year, and I absolutely loved it. It is just, if you don't know, the special forces Hell Week, it's very intense training, very physical, very emotional, very mental. It will challenge people in all sorts of ways. They're put through horrific trials to make them special forces agents, and they put people who may never have been in these situations before or anything like it through it. Now, should say most of them do tend to have like some sort of fitness level or background there's a lot of sports stars in there there's a lot of kind of people who would probably come across as very mentally strong and maybe able for this type of thing I wouldn't say it's for me or you Serena no, or the good. everyday person I don't think it would be for me I all. was I was actually thinking here how long would I last and I think I'd last until my first toilet break and I'd see where I need to go to the bathroom and go I'm out I I'm think, out I think I'd get on the bus and get straight back off I don't think I'd be even make it to the to the base so who is going to base well this is what's really intrigued me this year I really enjoyed last year's lineup. I got to know a lot of Irish people who I didn't know before and a lot of sports stars whose yeah. personalities I would have known and I really really enjoyed it and I really like grew a love for a lot of the people who were in it so I was really excited this year to see there's a, the same a lot of sports stars but I am so excited Tyg Fleming is going in to do Hell Week which I just think is the best thing ever if you don't remember who Tyg Fleming is he is the Catchem Derry Batman <laughs> <laughs> of Instagram who shares all of the daily in and outs of his and his family's life down in uh, in, in, the, in the back end of Kerry we shall say <laughs> so I'm very excited to see him do this because obviously he's quite a comedian and quite funny so I think putting him in this serious situation will be very good also in there is Paul Ryder Oh yeah, who uh, you might know as a drag performer and does a bit of, good bit of TV. Um, there's Fiona O'Carroll from Mrs. Brown's Boys and Coppers the Musical with her Coppers the Musical co-star Johnny Ward, who was in Fair City. So there's a really really wow. good lineup this yeah. year. Like the Blonde Tracy, there's um, the Pamela Ubu, the Miss Ireland person. Yeah, loads of really good people in there this okay. year. So I cannot wait. So to this watch. this year, can you remind me? As soon as it starts. I feel like last year it got onto everyone's radar and this year people are going to be on it. So make sure you're tuning in. I think it's starting on the 7th of September. Now, something that everyone watched and I still have it there saved to watch. I loved season one of Euphoria. Season two was supposed to be much better, but I haven't even watched that yet. That is going to be my winter watch. I adore this show and I have to say I didn't love season two as oh, much really? as the first. Yeah, it definitely didn't pack as much as a punch for me. Um, we both have a favourite character though. Yes, so we love Kat. 
who was played by Barbie Ferreira. And unfortunately, Barbie has announced she is not coming back to season three of Euphoria. Now, have you done a deep dive for us? What's going on? Because the one question I asked, there's no spoilers in this, but I did ask you, do you know, did they leave, wrap her character up really nicely and go she's done so if she doesn't come back or is this a shock to everybody it is a bit of a shock because the character's story wasn't wrapped up as such now barbie has really blown up on social media and in other things since the show um she's been doing like movies she was in jordan peele's latest movie so i think she probably has a lot of projects going on okay there was rumours during the last season that she wasn't happy because Kat didn't get as much of a storyline and there was a bit of a clash between her and Sam Levinson, the creator, apparently. Rumours, you know yourself. Allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. exactly. So there was a bit of a, a conversation around that that people thought maybe because Kat hadn't been seen so much and maybe that's maybe Kat does sort of naturally come out of the show in season three okay. or maybe it's a decision to step into bigger projects projects for Barbie we don't know but I'm very sad she's not coming back yeah. because she was really a powerful character in it me too um, but look something that we do know is that this year the festivals have been back and you've been in as many oh. as you can go to we're coming to the did end you, did you know I like festivals no no idea <laughs> no idea we're coming to the end of festival season we are but of course in full Irish fashion it is ending with a bang next week we have the iconic electric picnic back I know so many people are heading along to this and so many Including people Aoife. are <laughs> trying to get their hands on tickets for it so I thought um, and as well if you're heading up to Belfast today Emerge is happening up there I'm actually heading myself I cannot wait I just thought I know you probably hear a lot of this but I feel like I need to be told a hundred times to remember things and just some things you might want to bring with you if you're heading along to Electric Picnic or Emerge or any of the other festivals left this year far away put in your bag toilet roll essential there's never enough of these things make sure you have a collapsible bottle of water they always provide free drink and water so make sure you bring an empty collapsible bottle you can fit in your bag and you can fill it up yourself that's a great idea yes Hand sanitizer. Even before the COVID times, you should be bringing yeah. hand sanitizer yeah. to a festival. Wipes. Wipes. Yeah, wipes are a good one. Black bags are one of my favorite things to bring. They can cover your shoes if it's raining. You can sit on them on the ground if the ground is wet. They can be for rubbish. They can actually make a rain mac if you fa- if you fashion one right. <laughs> <laughs> Just bring a roll of black bags, trust me. They You're will the come Mac- in handy for everything. You sound like the MacGyver of festivals. Yeah, and a torch. <laughs> bring a torch because if your phone battery dies and it's dark walking around, you will be able to find your tent. Question. Yes. What do you do about your phone? Three, like, especially if you're going for the whole weekend, There's are, are there ports there's, where you can charge yeah, your phone? so there are, there does tend to be places you can drop your phone in to get them charged okay. up and pay a fee for that. Yeah. I actually invested in a big milliamp um, battery pack. I think okay. it's 20,000 or something hertz or something like that. I don't know the terms. But... <laughs> I use one of them and actually I get three charges out of it so I can do my phone each night which I always found really helpful and it meant I could just have it in my bag with the phone and bring it around with me I didn't have to leave my phone and not have any way to contact anyone for a couple of hours This is why you are our festival guru Festival queen I would like to be crowned And and you are you are our festival queen Um, Aoife thanks for that enjoy the last two festivals of the season I know This is the Bellissimo Files Exclusive to Spin One of my favourite films of the year has been Elvis Um, obviously is a film about the man Elvis Presley played brilliantly by Austin Butler. I'll be really surprised if he doesn't get nominated for an uh, an Oscar. Someone else who should get nominated for an Oscar is the director behind the Elvis movie, Baz Luhrmann. He's directed films like Romeo and Juliet, Moulin Rouge, Great Gatsby. And every time I watch his films, I'm blown away and I was blown away again by Elvis. 
As I said, it was released in June of this year, but now it's available to rent at home. So I thought we'd revisit my interview with the amazing director that is Baz Luhrmann. Baz, I was so excited when I heard that you were going to take on the Elvis story. This this movie idea has been sitting with you for about a decade. You start production in Australia, you get closed down because of COVID. Is yeah. it true after all the work you put in, you went, hold on a sec, maybe I don't have to make this movie. Maybe I'm off the hook. Tell yeah. me about that, th- was, that feeling. Yeah, I just, you know, they're always like... I mean, I could research and live a film forever, but making them, it's a burden, you know. Well, it's a responsibility, and I'm not a particularly responsible person. So I've been like, oh, maybe, like, I can have done all that fun bit, and now, you know, I've sort of been locked down in a very nice place on the river, drinking too much wine and, you know, dressing up for dinner. And for a while there, but actually after a couple of weeks, I was like, oh, then it won't get done, and it's kind of, I thought, important. So, yeah, it was just, I'm just glad we got through it. Austin was incredible. Like, I was watching it and I yeah. was going, is this actual concert footage yeah. they're using? Like, it was mm. just incredible. But before Austin was on your radar, you did do workshops with Miles Teller and Harry Styles. What mm. were they like? I mean, they're incredibly gifted in their own way. I mean, with Harry particularly, I mean, um, Harry is an Elvis fan. And he can really act. I mean, Harry is an actor. And I would run towards working with Harry on something. And he's musically gifted. And he's kind of a modern Elvis in many ways. You know, like Harry's style, which is very fluid, you know, fingernail polish and a feather boa and, like, really cool leather pants. I mean, like, Harry's going to be a great actor. He's going to be like Frank Sinatra or something, you know, great actor, great singer. I couldn't wait to work with him. But the thing with Harry was, he's Harry Styles and, and he's already an icon in his own way. And I think it just felt like a mixing the metaphor, whereas Austin just came out of the heavens. Like, I mean, he he sent me this tape, you know. He lost his mother at the same age, you know. The tape was so emotional. The moment he walked in, he just he just lived as Elvis. And I think they share this similar kind of incredibly vulnerable hole in their heart from having lost their mums at an early age and it's made him like so sensitive and and yet when he's on stage he's so confident it's this weird paradox that Elvis has like off stage the most vulnerable yeah. person on stage this kind of transformation that is almost religious in the effect it has on the audience you know so I don't know it was just a gift you said it yourself you've been living in the Elvis world mm. for so many years. You're mm. on the massive media blitz right now. Yeah. When this opens, for the audience, this is a beginning for us, but for you, that's yeah. the, sort of the end, the start of the end. How do you walk away from that, Baz, after such a, a long involvement? Well, it depends on how we kick out, but, you know, I've got to draw a line at least a few months afterwards, and I go on a sort of methadone program, you know, which is sort of like I'm going to have to find something that's equally scary but nothing to do with the movies, you know, like just to... Because yeah. the adrenaline just doesn't switch off, you know. You don't... I've been there before, and the first thing that happens is you get incredibly ill and, you know, laying under a palm tree somewhere drinking a, you know, pina colada doesn't exactly fix five years of being in an Elvis world, you know. So I'll have to find something. Yeah. You know, sometimes I get I go to an airport and say, right, Q8, okay, what's that like? 
probably not a good choice actually, but you know, once I did it and I ended up in Siberia. I love all the different themes you explore in this, but there's one moment where Elvis is going through a real identity crisis and his mama turns around and says to him, you're losing yourself, baby. You need to start believing in yourself. Mm. I love what you do, but you are so unique. And I'm sure when you started off, there were all these outside voices telling you what you should and shouldn't do. Mm. How did you block those out and believe in yourself, Baz? Well, there's a line in the movie that's actually my little mantra. I just stuck it in there, which is what Elvis says. You know, you've got to listen to everyone you love, but in the end you've got to listen to yourself. And I think I've always believed in yeah. that. Like, you know, listen to everyone, but then go in a corner and just... Maybe not what you think is the right thing to do, but what do you feel is the right thing to do? And, you know, I've made a lot of choices and I do a lot of th- stuff that... So, I mean, it's not like anyone wanted a film about boring dancing or Shakespeare... And, you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they don't, the studios don't come to you and say, look, could you really do a great, you know, <laughs> we really want a, you know, a, a version of The Great Gatsby. You know that book at school everybody hates to read? Could you make that into a movie? So I don't know why I'm wedded to that, but I am, and I, I just uh, live it, and then I have to debrief from it. Baz, thank you for living it because I've always wanted to tell you this. As a kid in Australia watching Moulin Rouge, I remember going into that cinema with my mates and my mind was blown when I came out because I went, oh, my God, this movie has shown me if I believe it, I can do it, and I still live to that that mantra now because of you. So thank you. Well, that's, you know what, that really, that's beautiful. And honestly, if one person gets anything from something I've made, it makes it useful, that makes it worthwhile. So thanks. If you haven't seen Elvis, please do. It's available to rent now at the Sky Store and available in certain cinemas. This is a new music spotlight. On the Bellissimo Files. On the Bellissimo Files. Eva is back in studio with me and I'm very excited because she is in festival... Fe- fe- <laughs> Will I try that again? Because she's in festival mode. Yes. You've brought us some festival type music. Yeah, lots of really good upbeat stuff today which I am loving. I I think we just have to kick off with this one. This yes, is such an exciting thing. Britney is back with new music the first time since her conservatorship has ended for a single in six years. But... It's with Elton John. And how long have they been teasing this for? I feel yeah. like this has been teased for such a long time. I know. And look, it is, it's, um, I'll let you have Let's a listen first. This is called <laughs> Hold Me Closer. <laughs> I literally just let out a little squeal. I feel like I'm refining my love for Elton John all mm-hmm. over again. Obviously, we've seen him do a couple of tracks recently. One of my favourites being with Dua Lipa, which I just adore. Yeah. And what's he, what he's really clever about is... This actually, this song includes elements of four of his other songs and I know the one with Julie but had two different songs in it as well. According to the article I'm reading, <laughs> <laughs> it includes duet mixes from Tiny Dancer. Um, there's another, there's a few other bits in there as well but I just think it's very clever because it makes me want to go back and listen to the full versions of all of those songs. Yep, yep. Now, being Britney, I just love her. <laughs> when she announced this song, she started the tweet with, Okie dokie. 
<laughs> my first song in six years. It's pretty damn cool that I'm singing with one of the most classic men of our time, Elton John. I'm kind of overwhelmed. It's a big deal to me. I'm meditating more and learning my space is valuable and precious. Good on you, Brittany. I'm really happy to see her owning her space. I really hope she's living her best life. I yeah. really, really do. And I'm so happy to see we've new music for her and hopefully much more to come. And isn't it great, though, that her first new track is a duet? So she eases herself back in there yes. and she has someone to literally hold her hand. Yeah. Call me close. I just got it. I didn't mean that. I so didn't mean it. Let's move on. I know Elton did talk as well about how, you know, Britney was through a really hard time. He's been through a really hard time and they wanted to work together and just sort of build on that toughness they've been through. And it seems really lovely. It seems like they have a nice relationship, which is very, very cute. I love it. We've got another collab. Yeah. And... TikTok I love and I love the music on TikTok and you know so much of what I bring you here comes from TikTok but I'm starting to feel like it's giving me spoilers it's like a TV show spoiler (laughs) because what's happening is artists are announcing songs on TikTok giving us 15 seconds and a dance to play with for a few weeks and then the song comes (laughs) and by the time the actual full song comes out I'm like oh I disappointed. Not that I'm disappointed, but I'm like, I've been singing this for weeks already and I only know this segment of it. So then when I hear the rest of it, it's very unfamiliar. Okay. I'm like, oh, I don't know this, even though I do. It's weird. So yeah, TikTok is the the king of spoilers at the moment for music. So that's that's where this one has come from. If you are a TikTok user, you will have heard this because it's been one of the biggest trending sounds of the last few weeks. It's from David Guetta and Bibi Rexa and it's called I'm Good. So, Aoife, when I heard that on TikTok, I just assumed that it was I'm blue. Well, again, I sometimes wish people could see us in this studio because if they'd seen your face when that song started playing. Because <laughs> you did have that moment, which I'm sure a lot of people did, where you went, oh, I have heard this online. See? Spoilers yeah, a on lot. TikTok. Yeah. A lot, yeah. So, yeah, and it is a sample of I've 65, I'm Blue, which I absolutely loved back in the day. It was one of my favourite, favourite tracks. And apparently this is a song they remixed years ago and never released it. But because it got viral on TikTok, BB and David decided to release it into the world. And I'm glad they did. Yeah. Now... You can vote for either one of those two over on our um, Insta stories yes. at officialspin1038. While you're doing that, Ray is back. I am loving love this her. new one from her. It's yeah. called Black Mascara. Once you see my- Come on! Are you ready? Eva's dance track of the week. Just clap your hands to the beat. What have you got for us, Aoife? I don't know if I've been this excited about it because I am actually going to a festival today. I don't know if I've had that on a Saturday yet that I get to play a dance track out. So really excited to play this one for you. It is from, from Burns and it's called Burning In My Arms. Why did you make me press stop? I know, I know. Well, I'm glad I get to go and listen to all that type of music for the rest of the day. I'm so, so excited. So t- tell us again, where are you going today? Going to Emerge in Belfast. If you're heading along, I hope you have the best time. If you're heading to Electric Picnic next weekend, I hope you have the best time. Just enjoy all the good festival goodness of the summer. Yeah. <laughs> but Aoife, you can't go yet because we do have the Bliss My Files. Yeah. This is going to get me excited as well. I'm so happy to see her back with new music. I'm so happy you voted for for this one. This is from you. It is uh, Elton John and Britney Spears. It's called Hold Me Closer on the Bellissimo Files.
That song makes me so happy, and I'm even happier that you chose that as you release my files, single of the week. Hold Me Closer, Alton John, Britney Spears. It is so, so good to see her back, and that's a fabulous way to end this week's show. Up next, Jess is in with some fabulous new music. Catch you next week. Bye. This is the Bellissimo Files. Exclusive to Spin.